What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 125 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Sunday in mid-August. And joining me the first time in a little bit, Garav. What's up, man? Not too much, man. How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, you know, the Braves won today in kind of bizarre fashion and sort of <laughs> saved the week. It's, it's kind of funny. I said this before on the podcast, but it's kind of funny how much uh, Sunday results often seem to influence people's moods. I think uh, probably the biggest audience of the week is always that Sunday afternoon game. Mm-hmm. And then this time especially, it was it went from a three and four week to a four and three week with a come from behind win. So, uh, by the way, also the game on Sunday today uh, was pretty nuts. Uh, the Brewers had 19 hits and lost. Which I think you were saying is a crazy stat. I'll, I'll let you deliver that. But you know the Braves trailed multiple times, only got four innings from Sean Newcomb in a game where he was not very good, and still managed to win. And that's kind of always nice. Yeah, I saw the the stat by Bowman. He said that the Braves are now three and fifty nine when they've given up at least nineteen hits dating back to nineteen sixty six, and it was the first win since the um, since they beat the Padres in um, two thousand six. So it's been a while. It's a little history happened today. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, not so great history for the Brewers, but pretty cool stuff for us. It was a weird game. I mean, I, I watched it. I, I candidly was watching a lot of the PGA Championship as well. Yeah, so same I, was, here. Uh, I do have two TVs. I'm spoiled and have two TVs in, in, my, in my living room. So I was able to kind of watch both at the same time. But uh, one of those things where, uh, yeah, just a wild one back and forth. Dansby hit a home run, which we'll talk about later. He uh, mm-hmm. sort of came come back from the dead. Ozzy with a big home run and uh, sort of a fun game, even if it was kind of frustrating early on to come back and win that one was nice. Um, after today, um, at least as of this moment, with the Nationals playing later today, the Braves are now um, slight NLE's favorites according to five thirty eight, uh, wow. and they, they of course are now tied in the standings again after this particular game because Philly lost on Sunday to San Diego. So it doesn't really matter. I don't want to do too much of that, but uh, it does feel like it was a big weekend, um, and for the Braves to salvage this four and three uh, stretch, considering it was a very difficult schedule, you know, in the Nats and the Brewers for seven games, uh, mm-hmm. come, come away with uh, with with four wins there is uh, pretty nice. Oh, definitely. And and I, I can make a little PGA tour parallel with the Braves. With Tiger Tiger's resurgence happening at the same time as the Braves' resurgence, right? A good Tiger apparently means a good Braves team. That's actually, I guess, kind of true. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should have thought of that at some point in time, that the Braves just needed Tiger to be good again, and they would, they would be good again. Uh, that's kind of funny, and uh, although he didn't win, but it was at least close and was uh, entertaining. To be sure. Uh, I mean, we'll talk to a couple things that actually happened this week, but the I think the biggest one for me um, was the Kevin Gosman start on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight innings, one run, eight strikeouts. Uh, he definitely looked very good. He was just okay in his first start, but definitely looked like a, sort of a different guy. And I guess he's not pitching exclusively out of the stretch, which mm-hmm. is interesting to monitor. I'm not sure how much that matters, big picture, at least right now. But he looked very, very good on Friday. And again, considering what they had to give up to get him, him being a pretty good would be uh, a nice win. Yeah, I read I read about his his change to the stretch, and he said he was able to find some kind of like mechanic, mechanical adjustments that or mechanical problems he was he had while working out of the windup. And I mean, if these are the results, then you have to keep doing it, right? And I'm I'm really happy. This is the what you saw was like I tweeted about this. It was probably the most dominating game I've seen out of a Braves pitcher, despite the fact that we've had a pair of almost no hitters this season. He essentially had everything working, and this is the reason why he was the number four draft pick. Like that splitter was insane. That changeup had incredible uh, uh, horizontal movement, and his fastball. You know, he can pump it up to like pretty much ninety-seven whenever he wants. This was better than I could have imagined, and I'm, I was. It was actually really fun to watch him pitch. 
Yeah, if they don't, I mean, obviously you can't expect to get that kind of guy, but it, because he, that that, play, that player is in there, um, it kind of just re- reinforces um, how defensible and how positive that trade was. Just because mm-hmm. they didn't give they didn't give up all that much, and uh, he does have real upside. You know, even if he's just the guy he was in Baltimore, the deal is still fine. But if he taps into some of the upside that we saw on Friday, it gets into be like massive steel territory, and that's mm-hmm. uh, especially considering the the uh, the rental the non rental status, like you know, having having him under control for a couple more years, um, is really nice. So we'll see how much that matters. I mean, it's one start, uh, and again, he was just okay in the first start. But if that unlocks something, um, hold on to your hats because he could be. Very there's good. a there's also a, a few other things that I saw. Um on a fan graphs chat last week, actually about the Gossman or not last week, but about the Gossman start. And they were saying there, there might be changes in his grip on his two seam fastball too. Mm. Uh, just something to maybe like analyze or take a look and watch if you're able to take a look and see his like placement and see if that actually has happened. Cause if they have found something to make him a better pitcher and unlock that, you know, number four pick potential, that trade is a laugh of like a, a laughable trade. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about that. It's like uh, a situation where, uh, again, the the return was so low that uh, any anything that looks like the pitcher on Friday is a win, uh, yeah. to be sure. Uh, one more thing before we get into some like more picture, big picture stuff is that Ronald Acuna continues to just kind of rake um, in the leadoff spot now up to a 127 WRC plus mm. for the season, which is very very good, and he has about a 900 OPS, like a, like in the 140 range WRC plus since he uh, came back from the DL. It's like a 30 game sample. Obviously, it's a little bit, uh, you know, small sample size stuff when you're talking about him, him hitting leadoff, but he looks a lot like the guy that we thought he might be. And considering how young he is, you know, another big homer today, and he just looks fantastic. And like, I feel like he made, he just may never lead that spot. It's it's kind of wild to think about, <laughs> uh, you know, every once in a while. I, I actually think we've probably not talked about Acuna enough recently, which is kind of bizarre to think about considering how much we talked about him in the offseason in April but this is a 20 year old that's been like a well above average major league play, major league player uh this year in a pennant race which is just kind of crazy just to say out loud uh, I just I just took a look at the stats right beforehand and he's up to now 1.4 1.5 R which would put him fifth or FR which would put him fifth on the team he yeah, like that, actually, that, that includes the injury too which is crazy yeah he's, he, he's played in 55 percent of the team's games and he's now fifth in FR he just passed um ender today after his uh performance his 339 WRC plus performance of today Whew. yeah home, home <laughs> do that but no, I mean the I, I do think I'm almost guilty like we Maybe not overhyped, but we definitely hyped him up preseason as we mm-hmm. as, as you should have because he was a you know he's a number one overall prospect kind of guy. He's a monster, and then he kind of went away and he came back and he was pretty good. But we're I'm just sort of reminded of him looking at the numbers today during the game. I was like, man, I wonder what what Akuti's been up to. I know he's been hot. I looked at the numbers. I was like, man, he's 20. Like this is kind of absurd to be mm-hmm. this good this early, and it's not that small of a sample anymore. I, I know it's 55 games or whatever it is, um, but. <sighs> It's not that small of a sample. Like it's not like he came up in September and raked for a month. Like we're talking about, you know, even with the injury, three months, uh, four months of production. Like he's mm-hmm. this might just be the baseline and only with upward trajectory after that, which is a scary thought because he's already really good. What's great is you're seeing the strikeouts come down too, and you're seeing the the power hit. Like I, I didn't expect, you know, a um, what's his ISO now, a two forty two ISO. Well, I guess I kind of did. I mean, that's kind of reason. It feels reasonable. Yeah, honestly. yeah, which is nuts to say about someone that young and when someone with such an objectively long swing. 
but you're, you're seeing the the strikeouts go down a whole lot and normalizing into what we more expect. It's like the like 20 to 25 percent range, which is okay for a guy with an ISO of 242. Like you can't really nick, nitpick fine. too much, and his walks are going to go up. He's a he. I, I assume he's going to be like a, a eight to ten percent type of walk guy. It's not there right now. Uh, he's right or, or he's under seven, but uh, you're going to see those numbers go up. So it's going to have an even higher OBP, and you'll see his OPS go up even more. This is uh, I'm not going to, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, for sure. We can go down the rabbit hole there to be sure, but he's yeah. been uh, very, very good. Okay, a couple of uh, themes that I want to hit on on the pod. One is not that positive, and that is the work of Kurt Suzuki. I feel like mm. last week I was, uh, like right after the podcast, I kind of kicked myself because I was looking up some numbers and stumbled into the fact that he's just been kind of bad for a while now, and we got really excited about Suzuki early on especially after last year when he was fantastic, almost a three-win player last year, and then he got off to another hot start this year. But um, re- recently he's been kind of bad. Uh, since May 1st, he has a 237, 296, 366 slash line, which is bad even for a catcher. Um, and they're still kind of doing this straight 50-50 split between Flowers and Suzuki. Uh, Flowers, by the way, sneakily is just absolutely mashing left-handed pitching all season long. Like he's been... Uh, I think he, as, as of uh, before the game today, he had a 259 WRC plus this season against left-handed pitching. Oh wow! Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty small sample. It's like a hundred it's like a hundred plate appearances because he's not because he was hurt and hasn't played that much. But um, he's just murdered lefties this season. It's uh, pretty sounds... outrageous. Um, so I guess my question, if there is one, is like, what is Kurt Suzuki? Which is tough to answer. And then B. Is that enough of a sample to be like maybe trying to tinker more and maybe play Flowers a little bit more than Suzuki or maybe try to have him face left-handed pitching? Um, because I- I've always kind of thought Flowers was the better player. Even when Suzuki was kind of going crazy, it didn't feel extremely sustainable to me. But Flowers hasn't been like, you know, insanely good or anything. But I do think like all things equal, he's probably a little bit better and probably should be more of like a 60-40 split, which isn't that much different than where we are now. But right now they're kind of just alternating and that, that probably doesn't seem necessarily like perfectly ideal to me. Yeah, I think once you factor in, like you, you can look at all the numbers, uh, all the offensive numbers like available. But once you look at the framing stats as well, like Flowers is significantly better. And so while Kurt is going on this, let's be real, this is kind of probably more about what we expected Kurt Suzuki to to perform. Oh, yeah. I mean, let- like a one hundred W, like a league average bat out of, out of the catching position this is a lot more what we expected. Um, but with it. You kind of it, it for him to be such a poor framing catcher. You really need to him for him to exceed with the bat, and that's what he's not doing. And so I think there's just a lot more value playing Flowers, no matter um, play Flowers more, no matter the offensive output that Flowers is going through right now. And he, even but, then, like you know, Flowers has been better with the with the bat all season long by the season long numbers. You know, 109 WRC plus for Flowers. Um, versus what 95 for Suzuki, which isn't like a huge gap for a catcher in a pretty small sample, but mm-hmm. I do think um, it was nice for them to ride the Suzuki hot streak early on when he was kind of just mashing like he was last year. But you know, given his age, it was probably always going to slow down at some point, and we've kind of arrived there quietly. I, I didn't really notice it, frankly, until I was looking up the numbers earlier this week and was like, oh, maybe it actually just has been longer than I thought. He's been kind of bad for three months, and three mm-hmm. months is a long time. So. Yeah, more more flowers for me. I'm not sure how much is that's going to be, and you know, it's it's the catcher spot. You're never going to just play the guy every day. Like it's going to be some sort of split there. But I would be leaning a little bit further into the flowers direction, um, if possible. 
just because that right, makes like, more sense. He's, he's just a better player. It is what it is. I, I agree, and I'm looking at it right now. Tyler Flowers, this is a bad year for him, in all honesty, but he's 11th and runs against uh, runs above average, which is like your, you know, a, a great defense. Well, it's really tough to to quantify to yeah. catch your defensive catch your stats. So hard, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was he's 11th in uh, Major League Baseball, while Kurt Suzuki is one, two, three, four, five, sixth worst at negative 10. So that's a very big difference <laughs> in their d- defensive value. So right now I would definitely actually play Flowers more. Yeah, it's about that time. I don't want to pick on Suzuki because, again, as you mentioned, it's probably what we should have expected coming into the year, which is kind of what mm-hmm. he is at this point. He's really a backup catcher, and that's fine. Um, but Flowers is still pretty good. So use him more often. Um, and I, I don't want to I don't want to go down the, the lineup rabbit hole. There was a one weird thing that I noted this week where um, – in the Washington series, uh, Adam Duvall played against a right-handed pitcher, and yeah. Ender played against a left-handed pitcher in the same series. And I wanted to claw <laughs> my eyes out. I was like, "Wait, what are we doing right now?" And, and I know some of that was was days off or whatever, given the doubleheader, but they didn't need to do it the way they did it, and that made me crazy. So didn't didn't they both go like over? Yes, they went over. Like I believe okay. uh, combined, yeah. and I was. I don't want to do too much of that, but uh, I just feel like I had to say it out loud on the podcast. Like that doesn't yeah. make sense. What are we doing here? Some of the lineup stuff was pretty bad early on, and then yeah. you know. Later in the week, they uh, were, when, when they weren't giving guys day off, um, guys days off, I should say, um, it was more subtle to where we thought it was going to be for the duration now. So maybe it's just every time you tinker with lineup, Snicker reverts to his old self <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, but now that we uh, got got back to st- back to, back to stabilization, um, maybe they'll be uh, better off. But the schedule the schedule's not going to light up anytime soon. The schedule is kind of brutal. There's not a lot of off days. The Braves are still trailing everybody else in games played. So maybe he'll be trying to give more off days. I just think there's probably a better way to do that, and hopefully he sees that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Well said. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, one more thing on the lineup before we get to some pitching stuff. Uh, Dansby, I mentioned earlier, hit a home run today on Sunday, which was nice because the Braves, A, needed it to win the game today, and also he had been really bad for a while. He still has been really bad for a while. Uh, since coming off the disabled list in mid-May, he entered today with a 59 WRC+. Plus. He now has a 76 wow. for the season, which is really bad. And before the home run today, he had a 450 OPS since the All-Star break. He's been really, really lost, really bad at the plate. Even even the plate appearances today that weren't the home run looked really bad. Um, I'm not sure there's even an action item, but I feel like we talk about him all the time. But like, how bad does it have to be before you <laughs> might not play him all the time? Because there was a game, a game or two the last couple of weeks where he sat and people were like seemingly excited about that. It kind of comes down to where you feel about Dansby overall, and I haven't asked you specifically about Dansby in a while. So where are you kind of at with him, uh, knowing that obviously his defense matters, but the bat might be just so bad that they can't play him? Yeah, the the 450 OPS that's that's pretty much unplayable. It's a pretty Major small League sample, baseball. but yeah, it's not it's not good. That's that's not good. That's not good at all. That's that's unplayable. In all honesty, uh, as for big picture, you know, I still I still believe I think. As a whole, we need to, and as a whole, like Eric actually wrote a topic, a, a, a piece on him, I think last week, which was rather like controversial. Um, but my, my, my takeaway from that piece was, I think we need to change our expectations of what we expect from Dansby. Um, I, I think coming into his, like, as soon as we traded for him, you see the number one pick, you're like, oh, he's going to be like elite defensively, offensively, he's going to be a total package. Uh I don't think I think this is more about yeah you know I don't want to write him off because he's still so young but his 
career high was a 107 WRC right in 2016. And you know, very, that's a very small sample. Yeah, that's not, you know, that's just slightly above league average. Uh, if we, I don't know, uh, a 450 OPS, man, that's, that's unplayable. You can't, you can't play. Uh, they'll have to figure something out. They're going to have to platoon them. That's just, that's not acceptable. And they might, I mean, they might do that. I do think that, um, you know, the talent level's there, but even I've been a defender of Dansby, but at the same time, uh, if you, if, if we see the kind of quality at bat, that's the thing. Like, it's not like the situation where he's just making good contact and being unlucky mm-hmm. recently. It's really looked like noticeably bad. The contact's bad. Strikeouts are up. Like all that, all that stuff that you don't want to see is kind of there. And I, I'm not a fan of panicking, but at the same time, you're in a pennant race and you do have other guys that can play there. I wish they had another option on the bench mm-hmm. that was a little bit better because right now, even if they move Camargo there, they don't really have a third baseman. So it isn't ideal. I wish they had another another guy to play there, but uh, yeah, it's there is a point of no return. I've been I've defended his defense a lot, his his speed, all that fun stuff. I think there's a, a level below league average as a hitter that he could still be a good mm-hmm. solid player, but you know if he's if he's below that, it's kind of tough. So maybe the home run wakes him up today. He's still if been you're... good. Like the numbers when he's been pitched inside are actually still very good. It's just mm-hmm. er- everything else is bad. Basically. Yeah, if you're if you if he's going to be league average with the bat, then that's a great, oh, that's a huge one. That's like, a great a shortstop. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, he's well below league average, and there's only so much like um, there's only so much you can help defensively, right? Like to offset the the contribution with offensive. I don't know. I feel like I'm going on. I'm trying to def- no, I'm trying to find reasons for us to play him, or as of right now well, in a pennant race. If it was last year. I'd be like, you guys need to just shut up and let him play. You're you're competing for a possible division. Like, you need to play your best players. Dansby isn't your best player at short right now. And you're what you said was right. Like, I don't know exactly what you do. I don't think Camargo is. He he can fill the gap at short, but then that opens up third. And then you know Culberson is okay at third, but he's not yeah, gonna like the world my on fire. Thing is that that's my whole thing. If they if they had like this, if they had Mike Mustakis, if they had another guy on the bench that you trusted mm-hmm. um, to hit, like I know Culberson's been great, but I think you you kind of need to leave him alone and have him be in that role that he's been good at, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the role he should be in. Um, if they had another guy, then maybe I would probably listen more to platoon stuff with Dansby, but. I don't know, man. It's a tough spot. I do think they need to play him as much as they can, but as I've said, like there is a point of no return. If he's going to be as bad as he's been the last couple of weeks, then it, that's beyond the point of no return. So the ho- hopefully the home run um, wakes him up here, but a lot of uh, a lot of gnashing of teeth and, and things the last couple of weeks with people dancing. And I, I totally get it. He's been that. He's been bad enough to where it's all kind of warranted, honestly. Mm-hmm. So there you go on that. Um, Let's go to some pitching stuff. Uh, you're more of a prospect guy than I am, and I wanted to ask you about Colby Allard because um, he's not looked great, uh, I will say, at the big league level. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Because a lot of people, you know, especially the last, um, I guess both appearances that he's made, but especially the start, people were a lot. Of, there, it was, there was a lot of uh, stuff about him not being a major league pitcher, that kind of fun stuff. So it, it, he was bad in that game. There's no question about it. And, you know, two, two appearances so far, his ERA is north of 10. That's not good. Um, but what do you think of him um, as a prospect and as a current asset? Because it's tough to talk about that unless you've seen him a lot. And uh, I haven't, I've seen him more than most, but I'm not a prospect guy. So you've seen him a lot more than I have. Yeah. So the main issue is that we've seen so far in, in the big leagues for him is he hasn't, he's these control problems 
you know, haven't existed for him. For him to thrive, he needs to almost have double plus command because his fastball doesn't really, it's lost some speed already. It, it, it doesn't move as much as it, I don't even recall it moving it too much. His changeup has been almost non-existent in, in the majors as well. And then his curveball, you could just sit on it because it's fast. You can just watch it and just hit his fastball. Uh, as of right now, I do not believe, and I, man, I hate saying this so much. I do not believe he belongs in the majors. I think he needs to work on some kind of some kind of fourth pitch to help offset the loss of velocity on his fastball. Uh, he's still super young, so who knows? Like he can show up next year with with a little more umph in his fastball. But you know, the bad back. You know, well, I'm not gonna say it's bad back. He hasn't complained about it at all. But the history with the back injury is you don't typically. You know, it's hard to rehab 100% from it. And um, maybe that's played into the uh, into his fastball. But as of right now, yeah, he's he doesn't belong in the majors. And it really sucks to say that because he's a great kid who's worked super hard to get to where he is. And he's had so many different, like, obstacles. You, you, I mean, the main thing is his height, right? Everyone talks about his height. He's, sure. not, a, he's not a big guy. And to be able to pitch, it takes a toll on the, on the human body because – Pitching makes no freaking sense. Um, but as of right now, he, he needs to I, – I, me personally, I would say as of right now, he needs to work on either working on his changeup to make it a lot better or he needs to add a fourth pitch because I see a lot in him that I do in Lucas Sims, and we, we know what happened to Sims. Yeah, I mean – I think people have forgotten that Aller did throw a lot harder than this. Like, I, I, there was a lot of people asking like why he was a first round pick when when, when they were watching him. And he was, was like, throwing ninety four. Well, oh, right, that was the thing. Like, uh, if he was going to throw mid nineties, it made a lot more sense. So his the current version of him would not have been a first round pick. We kind of all know mm-hmm. that. Um, at the same time, I kind of with you based on what we saw and you know the peripheral stuff. I know he's been pretty good in the minors, but. So is Lucas Sims. Right. Like, it's not a, yeah. he might just be a, at the moment. I know he, you know, he's extremely young. So like mm-hmm. any, any sweeping stuff on Allard is probably pretty silly. Um, oh yeah. But at, at the moment he looks like someone who shouldn't be in especially like attending teams rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what he looks like, but I want to at least ask you about him because it's tough. Like, you know, you want to, you want to see the young guys and he's one of the young guys. Um, especially when you have other guys that were, are not exactly exciting in the rotation, but he's worse than those guys at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas, uh, let's transition here to a more fun topic of Tukey because it's Tukey time. Uh, Monday afternoon, it looks like it's going to be Tukey's uh, debut. They have not formally announced that, but everyone has said that's going to happen uh, on Monday afternoon. So, I know I'm excited about Tukey. I know you're excited about Tukey. He's been really good in the minors this year. So I'm just going to open the floor up to you to talk about Tukey because I know you want to. I'm just going to tell people to listen to my rant on him on the last time I was on your podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited for him. He's If you get to know him like as a, as a person, you get to and you talk to people around him. He has just like this glow about him. He's super hardworking. He puts in all the time and effort because uh, he wants to he wants to succeed. Um and what I like, what I, yeah, I don't know, uh, to, to go along with that, his pure stuff is sensational. Like, he's got two different curveballs, one which is the absolute monster 12 to 6 that is scary to watch if you're a batter. Uh, he's got the, uh, he's got a new, like, slurvy type curveball, which I doubt he's going to throw much, uh, much tomorrow if he does make that de- debut. Uh, fastball will sit 94 to 96, and if he wants, he can bring it up to, like, 98, 99. He did that a lot. 
in the in the bullpen, like when he was in the futures game, or whenever they have him come out of the pen. Uh, and then his changeup has gone. Like it's what's ridiculous is his development. His changeup has gone to you know average, slightly below average, something that has projectability, but you weren't sure. To now this year, it's a plus pitch. He's got three plus pitches now. Um, he's someone you wanna you want to cheer for. He's someone you want to get behind because just everything about him, his mental makeup, how hard he works, his dedication to the game, how much he respects the game as, as well. Like I'm not gonna be, I'm not a baseball fundamentalist or anything like that. I'm all about bat flips and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but just how much respect he has for his craft has made me respect him as a, as like a person as a player uh and i i I wish the best for him i hope he's actually going to stay up here i hope it's not a spot start i don't think he needs to go back to Gwinnett. i think he's ready to take on the majors and be there for a a very long time yeah i i I did think you know even a couple weeks ago that it was more likely he would come up in the bullpen Mm -hmm. this year Mm -hmm. he came up and then sort of the the seas parted and here we are um in august i mean i'm pretty surprised about that like that him getting a start in august is surprising but not i'm not upset by it at all you know i'm, I'm super high on him i joke with carlos Calazo on twitter this week that we were talking about tuki two years ago when we were doing this podcast at the very beginning as like our guy and we still love him and his upside is super high i mean there's no question about it i think he'll i think hopefully he'll look good on monday but if he doesn't look good don't panic like he's got oh, yeah. his stuff's gonna be uh real i'm not worried about any of that you know it's one start he's 22 years old it might not go super well it's just one of those things that may not happen but there's also a scenario where he looks great on monday and people are already asking in fact we got you know multiple variations of the same question basically about um if tukey makes a good uh, start on monday and just looks like he's re- uh, sort of major league ready is there any chance that he just sticks around the rotation and they move like tehran to the bullpen or do something like that do you see a scenario no. where that's the case no i don't i don't, I don't uh, mainly because <laughs> mainly because he's he's upper he's hitting his not his innings limit but he's up near the top of what he's ever thrown before and so throwing him in the heat of a pennant race when he's pitched more than he ever has, it doesn't make sense. Especially I can't when, see like, him. I do think they might want to have him as like an, a potential X factor yeah. in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So just maybe like that might be more valuable, honestly. I could totally see him making like a um, an, uh, a Josh Hader type, you know, role this year where you can have an absolutely electric arm come in. And the, the Braves have a lot of starting to come like really come you like you got Minter showing up now he's becoming who you expect him to become this is a this would be a really live arm that you can bring out in a pennant race and just whip through 99 99 miles an hour that devastating curveball that chip plus change up and just rip through a lineup the heart of a lineup like that's what you could possibly have from him. that's what I actually expect the Braves to do I don't think he's going to stay in rotation simply because of the innings limit yeah, that's something I, I probably should have even brought up myself, but that's a good point about Tukey. Um, real quick before we move off of him, that's from the rotation. Um, you know, most of those Tukey questions were as a result of Tehran looking like not mm-hmm. not looking great. Um, obviously, the three guys, you know, Newcomb, Fultonavich, and Gosman are going to be in the rotation. That leaves two spots. Um, if I were to ask you who you are most comfortable with right now, and by the way, the playoff rotation will probably, it will probably be four guys, not five. That's just kind of how that works. So who would your fourth guy be right now? I can't. I literally cannot, cannot believe I'm about to say it, but I'd actually probably go Anibal Sanchez. I knew you were going to say that. And I, I can't I, I believe I'm I actually, saying that. I think I probably agree with you. Uh, Julio just, man, he looks bad, honestly. Even when he, even when he like, you look up and he's, he's allowed one run over four innings, and it's just like, man, how do we 
how did we get here? He looks terrible. Um, yeah, I so, hate saying that because he's been one of my favorite players since like back when he was a prospect. But right now, no, I just don't trust him in a must-win game. By the way, he's 27. Yeah, that's nuts, man. It feels like Jeez. he's done. It feels like he's 35 and he's done. And he's 27. It's nuts. Uh, uh, I mentioned this last week on the, on the show, I think, with Eric, but um, his walk rate right now is 4.48 mm-hmm. per nine. He just cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no sign of it stopping either. Like he, you know, all these it's, it's leadoff walks. It's it's everything you'd ever want to not see from someone who doesn't have elite stuff right now. He's doing all of it. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully he snaps out of it. But I'm with you. I might be Annabelle. I do think there is a spot if something gets weird. Like I don't know. The Annabelle thing scares me off. But you know, <laughs> let's just say the Braves are not set up particularly well um, for a starting for a series in which they have to use four pitchers because they really only yeah. have three that you trust. Yeah. Annabelle has been the best of the other guys this year, but um, the, you know, the clock is ticking there. I think uh, I have some skepticism about his overall uh, landscape um, and his use there, but we'll see. Uh, okay. I, I always had to ask you about that. Uh, one guy that kind of made his debut this week um, out of the bullpen is um, Chad, Chad Sabatka. He looked really good. People got really excited. Um, there's all these, all these arms that are like, you know, shuttling up and down right now, you know, Wes Parsons, all these guys, anybody that sticks out to you as like someone you would trust in a serious bullpen spot right now. I know Sabaka looked good, but, um, no, yeah, actually, honestly, I would, I would definitely trust Sabaka. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got the, um, the main thing is with him has always been his, his secondary pitches. Like he's like, he's got the frame. He's what, like six, seven to two twenties, like imposing dude on the mound. His fastball has got good movement on it. Hits up to 99 miles an hour. And now, the main issue he had has always been his slider, and apparently now his slider is flashing—not flashing, but it's apparently average now. So between a really good sinking fastball and then a slider, you actually have a pretty winning combo for a, a, a successful major league career. And I think he will probably stay around. I think Parsons as well. Uh, he's perfect in the long relief role. He got—he has also has good downward um, movement on his fastball. He gets a lot of ground balls. Uh, I saw Adam McCreary make it up there. Yeah, uh, he got there. Honestly, I I don't see it with him. Uh, he struggles way too much with his command of pretty much all of his pitches. The projectability is there. You see him on the mound. This is exactly what you want a pitcher to look like, right? Uh, but he's almost too big. He's almost too lanky where his mechanics become very difficult to repeat themselves. And that's where his command, his command issues arise. Uh, I don't think he's ready, but... Uh, of those three, Sabaka is probably your best bet to stay in the bullpen for the rest of the year. Also, that uh, it's very important for him to make that because uh, if he's not on a, on a major league roster, that 2014 draft is ugly, pretty bad, yeah, pretty it's not, bad. It's not, it's not, it's not great. I'm glad you, glad you said that, but yeah, I mean, he looked good. I, I'm, I will candidly say I'm not super duper familiar other than the numbers, um, but he does look like someone you would want to have any bullpen um for a playoff race i will say uh there was a report that everyone kind of laughed at and made fun of about sam freeman nearing a return (laughs) uh man i can't imagine if what the reaction will be if they actually bring sam freeman back and he's in the bullpen it's not gonna go well i don't yeah he's i would take sabaka over him right Uh, now like yeah 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 yeah, uh, let's just leave that there. Uh, I, w- I almost made a comment. I, I held off, and we'll uh, we'll move on. A um, couple more things before I let you go. Um, we got a lot of questions this week about Nick Markakis and a contract extension, or mm-hmm. or how like what he'll be making 
um, beginning next year, and if the Braves want to offer him a, a deal, I do think at, at this point in time he's been so good. The Braves are going to offer him a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what that contract offer is going to be, but uh, just for clarity's sake, he has a 139 WRC plus. It is yeah, it, wow. it is uh, it is August 12th. That is absolutely preposterous. Wow. Um, but he's been uh, ridiculous, man. Uh, there's, no, there's no way around it. My favorite, I will say before I ask you, my favorite um, scenario, I think at this point at this point is the qualifying offer. From Marquez, mm-hmm. um, he might take it, he might not, but I would, I would now offer that, which is man, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Uh, <laughs> last year it was 17.4 million dollars, uh, one year contract. Um, you know, best case scenario, he signs it, and well, you have a one year, you have a one year deal on a guy who's a little bit older than you want uh, a guy to be in that spot, uh, or he signs a big deal elsewhere and you get compensation. So that's probably what I would do. It's nuts. Uh, yeah, I would 100% offer you a, you a qualifying offer to Nick Marquez. He absolutely deserves it. Like he's been sensational. His walk rate's almost higher than his strikeout rate. It's his line drive rate. There is like, no, there is no question. And people, I think, get this twisted, especially with me. There is no question that if he is this guy from this year, he's worth more than a qualifying offer. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. The question is whether he can do this again. I will always err on the side of no when you have a a lengthy track record from you know five years before this of him being a basically a league average hitter for five full seasons maybe six full seasons before this. Um, but if he's suddenly the guy that he was like, you know, this year is basically the same exact season that he had in two thousand eight when he was a six win player and had a one thirty eight WRC plus. Right now his WRC plus this this season in twenty eighteen. At the age of 34, almost 35, is his career high. I will. I'm, I'm going to supplement that with another stat. His hard hit percentage from this year is the highest of his career at 41.1 percent. I mean, it, and listen, I will be the first to say that there is some indication this is real. I mean, how real it is is the question. But you mentioned the walk rate versus strikeout rate. That's like a basically elite level. His mm-hmm. bat is higher than it's been, but because he's hitting, he's hitting the ball harder, um, I, I don't think it's safe to assume he's going to repeat this level. But if I, I'm much more open to thinking he could be a slightly above average hitter or better than that next year than I would have been before, obviously, because he's not I mean, shown this level. And if you're not going to get, if you're not going to go out and try and sign a guy like Harper, well, that's I'm the thing. trying to it's think. Basically, and for me, here's what I, here's what I would say about that. Uh, and that's a, that's a common retort when you're talking about Marcakis is like, well, if they want to go get Harper or somebody else like that on that on that elite level, you can't bring back Marcakis. And I'm like, yes, you can. All you have to do at, at that point, you, you're trading under Enciarte. It's not. It's, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not you're not like prohibited from signing Marcakis, yeah. especially to a short term deal. I'll, I would not give Marcakis years. That that would be what I would not do. And that's I'm I'll, I'm sure I'll be accused of being a hater now. But the guy's going to be 35 in, in November. I'm not going to give him a, a multi-year big money deal. That's not something I'm going to do. If he wants to, I, I'd rather give I'd rather give Marquez one year and 25 million than I would give him multiple years. That's what with 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 where the Braves are, that makes that makes more sense. But it, it shouldn't affect your pursuit of Bryce Harper or anybody no. else because if you really want to get Bryce Harper and you, you can get Bryce Harper. You sign. You'll make you room want. for him. Yeah, you make room, and if you have to trade Ender Enciarte, that's fine because you have Ronald Acuna who can play center field. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like it, it provides you having Acuna really gives you a lot of options because we all know he can play center field, 
Um, and that's re- that's usually like the the big question mark when you're talking about guys who have a lot of uh, of bat talent in the outfield. Is like, well, who's gonna play center field? Well, Ronald Acuna. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think that it's super likely that they go out and sign an, a big ticket guy and sign Marquez, but they absolutely could do that mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Uh, I want to actually see. I want to find out who like beat their zips projection by the most. Because coming into him. the season, <laughs> yeah, right. Coming into the season, his zips was his zip projection was point six WAR. What was Matt Kent? Uh, that's a great Kent. That's a great question. Uh, uh, he's he's one that's up there. I would think like Max Muncy. Um, there's a few guys that have been like in that same realm. Um, uh, oh yeah, you're well. I mean, Matt Kemp's cooled off by the way. So maybe Matt Kemp, yeah, Matt Kemp was projected point three. He's got one point one, um, one point one FWAR. Martin Marquez is at 3.4. I think of those, he's probably the highest. Uh, I mean, I didn't look at Max Muncy, but it's but yeah, remarkable. Yeah, the, the point, the point like remains. Like Steamer, 0.4. He, they expect him to have the 106 WRC plus, 0.4 war. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> he's beaten up by so much. It's it's crazy. I can't um, believe we're having this conversation. But yes, I would, no. give, I would give Nick Marquez a qualifying offer. Yeah, I would wow. too. And I wouldn't wow. even, I mean... That's not I mean, even a hard decision. No, it's not. I, I, I was about to say that. I, I don't think there's any way that he wouldn't be worth that. Um, as a, even though, I mean, there's some risk there. Obviously, if he's not, if he goes back to what he was last year, you don't want to be paying him that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, a one-year deal has a lot less risk because I, even if he was the same guy I was last year, he's not just killing you. Like he's a, you know, he's a, he's a one, he's a one or one and a half win player. That's not what you want on a on a playoff team. But that's not going to murder you either. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why I would give him uh, money over years. I would not be giving him years. But, yeah, the whole thing that we're having this conversation is pretty insane, given yeah. we were a year ago or less than a year ago. And, yeah, he's earned it. I mean, there's no question about it. He's been tremendous. And um, that's my answer. I mean, it's not – people always ask, like, what I would offer. I'm like, man, uh, a lot of money for one year is fine. Uh, if you could give him more than one year, you got to have some outs, I would say. At his uh, age. Yeah, I agree. Um, but maybe somebody comes over the top. I mean, the situation is like if someone just believes this is him, they might pay three years in big money, and I wouldn't match it. But I wouldn't necessarily blame a team for doing it. Mm-hmm. Like if they if they see that this is real in their whatever you know advanced scouting or tools that they have, and they think this is this is just now what he is, then sure. I mean, believe it. I mean, you look at the you look at the advanced stats. The five ball percentage They're is really up. Good. The line drives are up. The ground balls are down. Like this, this is, not is exactly what you want. Yeah, this is not. That's the first. That's the thing I, I want to say. And people, I, I think I've gotten it twisted. Is that I'm not saying this is a fluke. All the numbers tell you that it's not a fluke. Mm-hmm. My my contention is you couldn't have possibly seen this coming because there was no indication that it was coming before the season. That that's oh, kind yeah. of my thing. It's like that that, that doesn't mean it's, that it's a fluke. Um, there have been changes and all the numbers make sense, but you can look at five, six years of sample before that with no indication this was coming. That's that's my thing. Yeah, I totally agree. So there you go with that. I mean, he's been awesome, and I, I look forward to having this conversation again, especially if he's still this good through August, September, and hopefully in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, the only way the Braves are going to get out of this um, with a cheaper option is if he slows down. I th- they prefer that he just stays hot. So mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> um uh, I guess one more thing I have to ask you. We got a bunch of questions. It's actually funny. I put I put out the mailbag call this week, and like half the questions were about Tukey, and the other half were about Ryan Flaherty. So uh, uh, let's just use this one. Uh, 
he it comes from uh, someone named AA on Twitter. It's no, it's not Alex Anthopoulos. I promise you, it's not him. Um, he said he says Flaherty's clearly been bad. So what should the Braves do with that roster spot? So before we get into the roster spot thing, I, I do oh, want man. you to answer that question. Uh, Flaherty has three hits in three months. Uh, he has a 63 WRC plus um, for the season. He's very very bad at most things, um, but he, re- he remains on the roster. Some of that um, can be attributed to not wanting to rock the boat. Um, looking the way that they, uh, this is all sort of hindsight 2020, but they kept him over Jose Bautista, who's been very good in New York. Um, there are other options out there that would have been a lot better. Uh, I can't frankly believe Ryan Flaherty is still on the roster in August. Um, but it is now a good question, um, because we are in August and they still have him on the roster. There isn't an obvious move. Like if they were to just DFA him and send him away, there isn't like this obvious call-up guy that I have that I see. Um, every, the guys that I would want to call up are pretty much outfielders. I guess maybe mm-hmm. Ruiz is like an option. I don't know. Uh, there, there really isn't that ob- obvious option. So what would you do with that? Like, yeah. would you just hold on to Flaherty? I would not do that. But what if you say you're going to send him away? Who do you want to replace him? Yeah, I think the the main thing that he's got working for him is his defensive vers- versatility. Right? He's he doesn't able play to play defense though. That's the he's thing. able to oh. play like multiple positions at like a average level but, but he, he never plays even do that because it's not worth playing him it's not worth starting him well and yeah it, it, it makes no sense if i had to choose like one person um michael reed yeah michael reed makes some sense and, uh but my if thing is that's my whole thing you, you have yeah, you have cargo yeah. and culberson who could both play all over the place yeah i'm i, I get it I like <laughs> There is no simple fit, though. That's the, the main there issue. Is that's my one who do minor you bring def- up? Yeah. My, my one minor defense, and it, I, I, I stress minor. I'm not defending this, but the only way I can think of that it makes any sense to keep him is that there isn't another option in their mind. I, can, I would just go with an outfielder that's a that's a bat because honestly, all Ryan Flaherty has been for months is a pinch hitter and a bad one. Because he, he doesn't, he doesn't I mean, play. You, yeah, you, no. you, you have Camargo. I mean, if, it'd be different if they didn't have Camargo and Culberson, who are very similar in terms of their positional versatility. But you, know, you have to have an injury or two to ever have Flaherty play, play the field. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't get it. Uh, yeah, I think Michael Reed, uh, Dustin Peterson, he's starting to come around a little bit, although sure. the power is not there at all. I would still do that uh, before. I mean, Rio Ruiz makes little sense. He's, he's had a pretty solid year. I, I've been very vocal about him. Uh, At least with Rio, you know he'll, he'll he'll hit righties as a pitcher. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely won't hit lefties. Uh, but neither much will at all, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. So just like make it make Rio. I mean, it's kind of it, it is funny to talk about it because I wouldn't normally be this dismissive, but because he has been so bad, mm-hmm. it's easy to do that and to like give me Michael Reed as a as a pure pinch hitter. Give me Rio as a as a straight platoon pinch hitter. Like there's mm-hmm. there, there are other options who would bring more value. And I do understand like the theoretical idea of Ryan Flaherty as someone who plays multiple spots. Um, but you're right. But he you don't, play you, you don't need that player right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it's kind of funny and also kind of serious in some ways. Like the comfort level with Mark with Marquecas, they are brother-in-laws, uh, brothers-in-law. However you say that. <laughs> um, maybe that matters. Uh, there's been some like not so joking references to that about how Marquecas's production could be semi-tied to no but dude like Flaherty. i don't believe he's got that, a 24 wrc plus against left-handers he's terrible I mean, there's no question. 68 against ray he I doesn't feel, belong on a major league roster i feel really bad because like by all accounts he's a really good guy and really yeah him. yeah um but he's even 
this is not just a small sample size. Like he's been a bad hitter his entire career. Like I'm looking at the numbers right now for Ryan Flaherty's entire. It's not like this is some like prospect young guy who doesn't have. He's never had a chance to play. He's 32 years old. Um, his career WRC plus uh, entering today was 72. He has a career slash line in almost 1,500 play appearances of 217, 287, 350. Like that's not a major leaguer unless you're like prime Ozzie Smith defensively, and he's not. So, oh man, his highest his highest uh, season F four was in 2013 when he hit 224, 293, 390. Well, I mean, yeah, the last since uh, wow. last the last time he had more than th- okay, so 2015. 72 WRC plus 2016 64 2017 51 this year 65 with the Braves uh he's been a sub replacement level player for Atlanta this year and almost 200 plate appearances I don't know you can't what else to tell you they they need to they need to find something in in like the August way he he can't be on a post I was I was gonna leave this alone but we we got so many questions about it that I felt like I had to talk about it again um because I do kind of feel bad but it's just, I'm not I, like I don't want to rail on the guy no, because you are right. Fault. From like, all accounts, he's a great person, right, but like he's some, not playable in no. a postseason game. Like I just think, I, and I hope um, that you know, it's just maybe they're just again kind of writing it out because they don't have another option, and maybe later on they'll make a move if they have to. Or maybe they hope he just comes alive, but he just doesn't play either. Like even it's very clear that they're treating him as the 25th man, mm-hmm. which is okay because he should be treated like that. If he's on the roster, he's the worst player on the roster. But, you know, unless you're going to basically like today, he hit in the fourth inning, like he pitched mm. in the fourth inning today, <laughs> like it's either that or he pitched it to like this in like the 13th because they need mm. somebody that are out of players like it's bad. Anyway, so if, the short answer is there's not an easy option. I think you and I agree that we both rather have Michael Reed or Rio or somebody like that. Um, we'll see what they do. And I, I, I do think that somewhere in the majors. There's probably a guy they could get off waivers in a in a very minor trade that would be an upgrade, as well. Like it doesn't have to only be like until the waiver deadline passes. They don't. It doesn't have to be purely internal. Like maybe they mm-hmm. can go get somebody that's on somebody's bench that also isn't very good, but is also better than is also better than Ryan Flaherty. If that makes sense. Like it doesn't have to be that. There, there, they mean, there should if you be can a get, guy somewhere they can get. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you can get a twenty first, a twenty fifth roster slot Just type of person. Hitter that is actually worth a roster spot. Then just find a, just find a yeah. platoon pinch hitter that can't defend. Even, even if it's a first base only guy. Yeah, that's fine. You're 100% right. I didn't even think about that. Like, he doesn't play defense at all. There's yeah, no reason I mean, for him to play defense. Cause at the moment you do have, you have a, you have a good pinch hitter against lefties in Duvall if he's not starting, but that's mm-hmm. really it. Like you don't really have, I mean, I get Culberson's been great again. Culberson's been fantastic. So he's obviously, you know, one of your best bench players this season, but you don't have this like arsenal of pinch hitters. Mm-hmm. It's your your back. It's your it's your backup catcher. It's Charlie Culberson, and it's Adam Duvall against lefties, and that's kind of it. So you need that guy. Yeah, especially in the National League playoffs, where he's going to be a factor at some point. Like, yeah, but and for all the crap we've we've just given Ryan Flaherty, if you get to the playoffs, he's going to actually play a role because everyone on your roster plays a role in the playoffs. And he pretty much cannot be allowed to do that. Agreed. Uh, wholeheartedly on that. All right, we probably railed on uh, too far on a lot of different things, but uh, do we miss anything that you want to talk about? Because I definitely want to give you the floor. Um, I, uh, I I should have had you on before this, so my apologies. But please please <laughs> no, feel free man. to fire anything anything else that you want because uh, there's a lot going on. Even though I feel like we're, I'm trying to save some stuff too, but it's a situation where we, I feel like we could do, we could do two hour podcasts every week, and I'm just trying yeah. to avoid that. Honestly, 
well, I know you bring me on sometimes to to talk about minor league baseball, so I'll probably talk. Like, it's a small little thing. Yeah, um, fire on, fire on some prospects. Too. I know. Last last time I was on here, I talked about Tuki Tucson a whole lot, and I think the next next person in line who I expect to have that kind of ascension and someone that you guys need to pay attention to would be uh, Ian Anderson, who was recently promoted to Double A. Uh, of the of the pitchers that are in within the system, uh, I would say Soroka is probably a top, mainly because not only the stuff, but he also has like the mental aspect of it is pretty much unparalleled. From I don't like it's you don't see it in a minor league baseball player, um, but Ian he's got it, dude. Uh, he's definitely I love his arsenal. He's throwing them all for strikes. His fastball, curveball, changeup. He's throwing them all for strikes. His controls improved significantly. Uh, he essentially forced a promotion because people like weren't hitting him. He was giving. He had a sub two hundred batting average against. Um, his Ks were up near like twelve, and then his walks were at one at one point. I remember him being sub three. Uh, he's it. Uh, I have him actually above Kyle Wright in my rankings. My personal rankings, because that's how much I like him. That's and I a think strong that's, endorsement. Yeah, I know. I know. And it might, it might not make sense. Kyle Wright's the big, you know, they're both big bonus babies, uh, for lack of a better term. They're not babies, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, but he's got it. I think he's someone you need to watch next year. I think he's going to stay in Mississippi for most of it, but he's going to force a promotion up to Gwinnett. And you might see him as soon as, you know, 2020, which is something crazy to think about. A young kid out of New York. Ian Anderson, keep an eye on him. There it is. I, mean, I think people know who he is, but I think I do think he kind of gets lost in shuffle sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's uh, worth highlighting every once oh, in a while. I know an even better one actually. That oh, I just yeah. I don't know how to even think about this. Let's do it. Uh, everyone, everyone was talking about the the Gossman trade and losing someone like uh, John Carlos and Carnacion. It was someone that we raved about over on uh, the minor leagues, uh, the minor league part, portion of Talking Chop. Uh, but be happy to know, I think. There is someone actually better on this team, and it's the 20th round pick, C.J. Alexander. Uh, I, I watched a lot of him after we picked him because I was unfamiliar. I talked to Matt Powers, who was also with Talking Chop, and um, he was he, he 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 in our little group chat. He's like, I don't understand how this guy was drafted in the 20th round, and he's like, he's there's no way he's gonna sign. He's way better than this. And so after Matt says that, Matt knows he has like he pre-ranked the top 300 high school players coming into this draft, the top 300, like this the guy knows his stuff. So after he did that, I looked at him and I don't get it. Uh, he's legit. He's got legitimate, like 70 power uh, and can play a premium defense. Like he can play a really solid defensive third base. He hits for, he'll hit for a high average. He's got a good walk rate. He'll strike out probably in the same level as Acuna, but this is some guy I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put his tools up there with, with Acuna. But he's someone you need to keep an eye on next year. Uh, if you go ahead and take a look at his stats right now, I think on the season he's probably close to a, a one-point-something OPS on the season. And we expected him to struggle because he went from a small community college and then he's facing, you know, call it like uh, younger talent, but you could, the more polished college players are up in Danville. And he smoked them. He smoked him so much that he actually worked his way up to Rome, which is not something you see too often in the Braves organization. So if you need hope, if you feel bad about the Gossman trade, know that I personally believe C.J. Alexander is actually better than Giancarlos. 
there you go. I like I like the takes. Um, you know me. I will defer to you and uh, you and Eric and Matt on this kind of stuff and uh, Garrett and everybody else. But uh, I believe you. So there you go. I don't know how he's not top thirty. I, we all had him top thirty in our in our gra- in our uh, rankings, mid season rankings, and he didn't chop the. I think MLB Pipeline had like five relievers in the top thirty, and which was a little weird to me. That is kind of weird, um, just from a um, thematic standpoint, but. Anyway, all right, man. Well, that's a good way to end it, I think. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please tell people where they can find you on on the Twitter machine and everywhere else because uh, you are a very intriguing follow that I enjoy. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, my personal Twitter account is at GVDAC. I, you can, I only write for Talking Chop, so you can just check out my minor league pieces right there. I have a piece coming out on Tuesday, original content, so it should be fun. Original content is the Original key. content. We love original content. Uh, I, wrote about <laughs> the, uh, I wrote a little bit about the... Um, Playoff race this week and, you know, projection systems and all that fun stuff. I seem to be the guy who's drawn that assignment, and I enjoy it. So every few days, What a baller I, thing to be able to talk about right now. Every, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot I of fun. I can't believe every, it. Every few days for, like, three months, I've been tweeting out, like, five projection systems and their percentages. And everyone mm-hmm. hates everyone hates Fangraphs now because of <laughs> Fangraphs has been last every time. And I always, like, why does Fangraphs hate the Braves? I'm like, because they started the season hating the Braves, and they haven't built it in yet. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of funny to see that people sort of always overreact and some of it's become funny now, but, um, I guess, as I mentioned before, you know, you know, 538 now has, um, the Braves as the Annalise favorite, um, as of, as of this moment, at least it's by like two percentage points, but, uh, it's happening. It's a lot of fun to be tracking this stuff into August. That's for sure. And for all of you listening tomorrow, happy Tukey day. Yeah, happy Tukey Day. Hopefully that goes well. Um, I will be at work and probably won't be able to watch a lot of that. Yeah, so I, I, have the, I have the DVR fired up um, to go back and watch uh, Tukey, uh, Tukey's performance. So hopefully, if he's bad, I probably won't watch it. <laughs> but if he's good, I will uh, go back and enjoy it when I get home from work. So that's just kind If of he does works. struggle, just just remember, just take a look at the pure stuff he's got and understand why there's so much hype around him. Like, Yeah, the hype is there for a reason. It's he's deserved. Yes. Deserved. It's all the same. Well, it's the same word. It's just pronounced <laughs> differently. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you. As always, we'll have to do it again sometime. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you know, Leave us five-star feedback if you like the show. Also, of course, every single show is on TalkingChop.com with a listening guide. Check that out as well. We'll be back again next week, so stay tuned for that. <laughs>